Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you all had a great week and I hope that you're all enjoying whatever you're doing right now, whether it be a walk or eating a snack or just listening. And today I'm going to introduce our guest. We have a very special guest. Her name is Skylar. And yeah, that if you want to like say something about yourself. Hi, um, I'm Skylar Gary. Um, I have an Instagram. It is at Eats by Sky. Um, I'm 20 years old and I am a sophomore in college. Woo! With all that said, we're just going to kind of jump right into it and talk eating disorder recovery. So I kind of just wanted to start off by asking a little bit about like where you're at, kind of like what, like are you in treatment or are you doing it from home? Like what, in terms of that, what's going on right now? Yeah, so I am actually currently in a PHP program, so I'm in treatment um, at a hospital. Um, Well, now I'm in IOP, but I've been there this on Monday. It'll be 11 weeks, so quite some time now, but I'm actually discharging on Tuesday, so that's exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited about that, but yeah, I went into treatment um, back in November and now we're in February. So yeah. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. I don't know what, um, I had like kind of a similar experience. I've gone through PHP. So I, I went through Center for Discovery, not like a hospital, but, um, and then I've done like all the levels of care except for IOP, but cause I left. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I tried, um, outpatient first and I was just meeting with like a dietitian and you know she was giving me goals and I was not doing them (laughs) and so one thing led to another and went into the program so but honestly it has like obviously helped a lot yeah my experience is kind of similar I did I had a long it's been a long road but the most recent experience was like I went outpatient and then I went to PHP, but I didn't meet, like, the medical criteria. Um, So they put me on waiting list for res. And then when that opened up, I went to res. And then from res, I just went home. So, but res is somewhere where we, like, stay at the place. But um, how have you, like, has, do you think your experience with PHP has helped? Oh, 100%. Um, I mean, at first, you know, when you have an eating disorder. And for me, I was anorexic um, and orthorexic, but mostly I had anorexia. I did not think I had a problem. (laughs) Um, I thought I was, you know, just being healthy. I thought I was fine. So when my mom told me that she was making me go into this program, I was absolutely furious. (laughs) I cried. I begged her not to let make, make me go. Um, I did not talk to my parents for three whole days, those first three days at PHP. I hated it. Um, But, you know, the more that I've been there, that place has become such a safe haven for me. And as much as I'm ready to discharge on Tuesday, I I have some mixed emotions. (laughs) Um, I'm kind of sad just because the treatment team... I've made some really good connections with all of them and just like the people in there in general that you meet. Um, they, I love them. I've met some really good friends. So 
it's kind of bittersweet, but I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for this next part of my life. Yes, I relate to a lot of the things you said in terms of like I remember when I started, I was definitely forced into treatment. Um and I mine eating disorder too was very like anorexic with orthorexic tendencies and I think a part of that is like for a lot of people's denial that anything's that it's above just being healthy. And I remember that, but it's like, once you get into treatment, I could never recommend treatment enough for people who need it because I feel like it helped me so much to the point where like when I left, especially at res where like I lived there for five weeks, six weeks, maybe. And it's bittersweet. Like obviously I was ready to go, but at the same time, kind of what you said, it's like you make good connections and stuff. And honestly, it's like the growth that you have there that it really transforms your life. Like you get to have the whole life ahead of you now. Yeah. 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 I agree with you 100%. Um, okay. So with all that said, like where you're at in recovery and stuff, what are your, some of your like current wins? What are some of your current struggles? Like what are you working on right now? Yeah. So I'll start with my wins first. Um, I have had, so much more food freedom. It's insane. Um, I never thought, I mean, I still, that's one of my struggles too, that I put is food freedom, but where I'm at right now with food freedom, I never even thought that I'd get to this point. Um, but so that's really cool for me. Another thing that I'm doing we in um, my program, we call it winging it. And so, um, I'm on a meal plan, but sometimes they don't make us follow our meal plan because we get to wing it. And so it's kind of like how I would eat, like when I'm not in the PHP program or like to my best ability, try to intuitive eat. So that's going to win. I've been, I've winged it now for seven days in a row. So I have to keep, I have to keep a self monitoring sheet, which is like a log of all the food that I have just so my dietitian can make sure that, um, you know, like my calorie range is still in check and everything. But that's a pretty big win for me right now. Um, I've had so much more energy, which is crazy. That's so much. It's it's a lot of fun being able to actually want well, want to do things first of all. And so with that, like the socialization, I've been wanting to like go out more. I mean, in fact, I was at a basketball tournament for twelve hours yesterday, <laughs> and I would never have done that like even six weeks ago because I just didn't. I would not want to see anyone. So those are some of my wins. Um, some of the things that I'm struggling with right now is with the winging it. Um, I tend, I like to kind of hold off my hunger a little bit sometimes when I, and I catch myself and I'm like, nope, we're not doing that. Um, I have pretty bad OCD. And so I have a lot of like compulsions that I'm trying to work on. Um, and one struggle with that I'm, that's probably my biggest right now is with the discharging my so I I named my eating disorder voice Edna I don't know if anyone else names their ED voice do you do that I personally haven't which is funny because I name every like my journal has a name all my clothes have names like I name everything but I have never named my eating disorder but I know a lot of yeah I I I just kind of like I like to separate it from myself because I'm like I am Skylar I'm not my eating disorder so I named her Edna. And so Edna 
has been really loud recently just because she knows that I'm discharging. And so it kind of, I'm sure that you'll relate to this, but it kind of makes me feel like I don't have a problem anymore and I feel invalid a little bit, but I'm trying to um, get those irrational thoughts out and like challenge them because I know those are not true. She's just really trying to make me feel down because she knows that I'm getting better. (laughs) But yeah, so those are some wins and struggles currently. I think one thing about definitely that you mentioned is like, you get like in recovery, especially in the beginning, I feel like is that your eating disorder doesn't obviously want you to like, the whole point of the eating disorder's voice is to win. Like, so it doesn't like it when you start moving away from it and it gets loud. My favorite quote is like the one that's like, things scream when they're dying. So that is you know, so your eating true. disorder gets really loud when it's dying. But I used to never like think, I used to think I'd spend my whole life being triggered by getting better and not wanting to get better, but like also wanting to get better. And one thing I would just say to that is that I'm at a point now, I'm about seven months into out of uh, res. And I'm genuinely at a point where like I was talking to my therapist about this. I don't like, I look, I saw an old picture of myself and I was like, wow, I feel bad for that child. Like I didn't even feel like no part of me wanted to go back there. I was triggered. And I think now like, I'm like, like if someone, one of my friends yesterday was like randomly was like, Cammy, I'm so better that you're, I'm so happy that you're all better now. And a couple months ago I would have been like, oh my gosh, like people think I'm all better. Like I don't have an eating disorder at all. Like And that would have like spiraled me, but I got to a point where I'm like, I took that as a compliment and was really just able to be like, oh my gosh, thank you. And that's really, truly what I meant. And so just kind of what I would say to that is that, you know, to keep holding on hope for that things scream when they're dying, but they do eventually die. That I actually really relate to that. Um, I just the other day was looking back at old pictures of myself. Um, And in the past, it would have definitely triggered me, but I looked at those pictures and I even went up to my mom and I was like, I really looked like this. Like I look really sick. And it was the first time that I I've seen myself when I was at my lowest. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like it was so weird for me. Um, but yeah, it did not trigger me at all. So, and Oh, what you, you said something that really, um, made me think of something but I can't remember what you said (laughs) oh well maybe it'll come back to me later um the other thing that I kind of wanted to say was that in terms of when like you had talked about having more energy and just like more socialization and I definitely think that that's a big part of recovery I know that even not like avoiding food and social situations but genuinely when you're in your eating disorder you just have way less excitement for friendships and I think that's a big reason for people to recover is like like for example last night I went out with my friends and we I had like a bunch of pizza and wings and cake and ice cream and chips and it was great and we laughed for like six hours straight and these are just things that never would have happened if I was still in my eating disorder and so I just kind of wanted to mention that like I agree with that a lot that you get more energy and socialization as like a big win in recovery. Yeah, that's awesome. I know I saw your um, 
Snapchat or not your Snapchat story, but your Instagram story. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's eating all this stuff. That's so cool. Um, but yeah, when, when you are deep into your ED, like you're not even a person. Like I was literally a zombie. Um, I just had, I didn't even have a personality. Like my personality was exercising and restricting. Like that was who I was at that time. And I just wish I could go back and just say something to that girl and just let her know that there is so much life on the other side of this awful sickness. And that I just, yeah. So. I definitely agree with that. Like a big thing is when I recovered, I remember because I went into residential pretty sick and then I came out like much healthier and everyone was like, oh my gosh, wait, you have a personality again? And I was like, I always had a personality. And they were like, (laughs) yeah, no, no. Your personality was that you ate a lot of green peas. Like that's not a personality (laughs) trait. And I was like, mine was carrots and cucumbers. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like it, your personality becomes food. And I think that there's, it's the denial. Like I have friends who are still like, um, who like from treatment and stuff are still going back to treatment. And I just remember that when I see someone who's like still in the beginning of recovery or still kind of sick, it's like a lot of a big symptom of it is how we touched upon earlier is that you don't know you're sick, but you also don't realize like you don't have a personality. That's not something that dawns on you really. And the fact that you have no drive to socialize or do anything like that. And I think you don't realize that that's missing and, or like, what it would feel like to have that back. And I think sometimes it's like taking a leap of th- faith in the beginning of recovery. Like you're terrified and it's scary and people say it's going to do all these great things, but you don't really feel them right away. It's definitely not instant gratification. And it's like, I always always view it as taking this leap of faith and you just have to wait until you land. Exactly. I mean, my treatment team, um, our group therapist, he would always say like, one of the number one indicators that tells them that someone has anorexia especially is they don't think they have an issue. Like they think that they're perfectly fine. And I, you, I really agree with you about the taking the leap of faith. I mean, eating disorders are so much a control thing. Um, and so we, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I did not have some control issues Obviously, I do. I mean, I'm in recovery for an eating disorder, but it is you're giving all you're giving up all your control to a treatment team. And, you know, your ED voice is like, whoa, slow down. Like, what are we doing? Like, and I mean, the biggest thing is like, as disturbing as it sounds like your eating disorder is such a safety blanket. Like, at least it was for me. And like, it's, I mean, you learn this in treatment, but it's a coping mechanism and everyone's reason is different. Um, I mean, I'll just go ahead and I'll share for me what really went like started my spiral was I'm, I'm a runner and I run track at college and I pulled my quad. And so I thought, well, I can't run anymore. Um, I can't control this injury. So I'm going to control my food intake. 
And, you know, one thing led to another and I, I never, my, my first intentions were never weight loss. That was not my goal. But once I really started trying to like, you know, I was like, I can't run. I'm going to eat really healthy now. Well, with eating really healthy, you're, you restrict certain foods. And so I was walking a lot from classes to classes and the weight just kind of started coming off. And then once the weight started dropping, that is when I became obsessed with, I need to keep it off. I need to keep going. And the rules just got stricter and stricter and stricter. So I think what you said is extremely relatable to a lot of people, including myself. I know that I think people assume that people with eating disorders, that it always starts with wanting to lose weight. But the truth is that for some people it does, for a lot of people it doesn't though. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of a symptom you pick up along the way. I know for me, like kind of how you had mentioned, it came from a place of control is a big part of eating disorders. I, mine started right at the beginning of COVID. You know, I just, sports were my life. Oh my God, so did mine. (laughs) Sports were my life. And sports and school were just stripped for me completely and suddenly. And I fell into a depression and to pull myself out of that depression, someone suggested I try to get into health and fitness. <laughs> and it worked for about two weeks. Um, and then I became addicted to it and fell down a big rabbit hole and landed with an eating disorder. And somewhere along that line, I became addicted to the idea of weight loss and started developing body dysmorphia and all these body image issues. And I think that it's like kind of crazy to think how it started just with the idea of like, I w- I just wanted my sport back. Like I just, I thought that like I needed to just stall myself and like control something because I couldn't control the fact that I couldn't play. And then actually a couple in October, I tore my ACL, which is like about a one year oh. injury to come back from. So that is a really hard injury. And I remember my first reaction <laughs> I told my therapist, I was like, if I don't relapse, I'm shocked. And she was like, no, no, no. Like you're too far in recovery to relapse. Like, you know, this is a control thing. You can't control it. And I really worked on accepting the fact that I can't control it. And I'm really happy to say that I did a lot of proactive things instead of relapse. And I ended up actually strengthening my recovery, learning, like going some time without exercise. I finally just a couple of weeks ago got cleared to do controlled movement in the gym so I can't like run or jump but um and that's that's actually why I started this podcast I for those who like have followed it from the beginning it started like right at the end of October I started it because I was my therapist was like you need something to do instead of soccer so and so soccer I was like well I'm really passionate about eating disorder recovery so I started this podcast instead and I'm just really thankful that you know the second time around I Treatment had taught me how to cope, you know, not through the eating disorder, because as you said, it's definitely a coping mechanism. Yeah, I, I'm really glad you brought that up about like the coping mechanisms. Um, But kind of going back to what you said earlier, I, during, I was a senior during COVID and my track season got canceled and, you know, my whole identity was track. Like I'm a runner. That's all I knew who I was. And once that was stripped away from me, you know, I got addicted to like hit workouts and like fasting and like super clean eating. I was reading every single ingredient on every box and bag and you name it. Like I, I became obsessed with it. 
And once I pulled my quad, you know, I followed so many like running accounts because I have my um, social media. I, I couldn't do it. I literally logged off because I would see all these accounts like working out and, you know, what they were eating. And I would compare myself and I had to completely log off while I was really in the deep of my ED. Um, and I had to learn another identity besides who I am as a runner or like different coping mechanisms to deal with this. And I have learned so many things in treatment, like different things that I do when I start getting those ED thoughts or like those thoughts like, oh, I just really want to restrict. I immediately pull out my journal. I immediately pull out my gratitude journal when I'm, when I'm feeling down about my body. Um, I love to draw. I found out I can actually draw pretty decent since being in PHP. Um, I like to color. Um, I love going on walks and like listening to podcasts. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's important that you do have those coping mechanisms for when your thoughts get loud like that. So you can pull yourself out of that dark place. Otherwise, like you said, your thoughts are, I want to relapse. That's all I want to do because... Like I said, say, eating disorders are a safety blanket. When something goes wrong, it's so easy to turn to it. Yes. A couple of thoughts. One, I love how you said it's a safety blanket because I was always told, you know, it's like a coping mechanism and it appears as a safety blanket. But the problem is that the blanket's tearing. And when the blanket finally yeah. is done, like the end result is definitely not safe. And... But that's one thing the ED tricks us into thinking is that it feels really safe to restrict when in fact it's like one of the least safe things you can do. And then the second thing that I kind of wanted to touch upon was how you had talked about like the identity. I definitely know like for a lot of people, their identity becomes their eating disorder. Like for me, I definitely, you know, my friend's parents started every time I'd see them would go, oh my gosh, honey, like eat something. Wow. Like you're not doing well. And my parents became obsessed with, you know, not obsessed, well, as they should, you know, they were really concerned with my mental health and eventually being like the person always in and out of hospitals and like not doing anything. Like it just felt like my identity. And I remember when it kind of finally came time to recover, I was really scared that I didn't know who I would be. Cause I wouldn't, I wasn't sure if I was going to go back to sports or if I was going to, you know, I wasn't going to have my eating disorder, And I think something really beautiful is that I found a whole new identity and now I'm, you know, kind of, you had said you found that you like drawing and coloring and journaling. And I found for me that I actually am eight chapter, nine chapters into a book right now that I plan on publishing one day. I started that all in red. (laughs) I am actually, I'm starting a second book. There's two books going on, but the one is in nine chapters and the other one is three chapters. I learned I love writing. I write like an essay every day. I write speeches all the time. And then I learned that I love this podcast. And I think that I found an identity outside of my eating disorder. And I was so scared that I wasn't going to. But the truth is that your identity is definitely not in control in an eating disorder. And that like everyone will find their own identity that's not their eating disorder's identity. I love that. That is so cool that you're publishing a book, though. I have so much like... Wow, respect for you. (laughs) I remember, this is a completely side note. I appreciate that though. Um, (laughs) I, yesterday I was at that party and we were having yummy juice. 
And well, I wasn't, but um, because I have kidney disease. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's a side note. It's not like serious. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but one of my friends is sitting down and she goes, is yummy juice healthy for you? And she was like, why isn't Carrie having it? And I was like, well, because it's not amazing on your kidneys and I have kidney disease. And she goes, no, no, no. But like, what's like the calorie content? Like, and I just felt so bad and I really wanted to look at her. And the whole day she kept making comments on like, get the food away from me. Like I am addicted to desserts. And I made a comment and I was like, you can't be addicted to food. Like you need food to survive. You can't be addicted to something that you actually need to survive. But I really wanted to look at her and what I said was, oh yeah, no, it's fine. And I just didn't want to, you know, go into it. But what I really wanted to say is, you know, I don't want you to fall down a rabbit hole where you think that every time you have fun, you have to counteract it with having control. And just because things in your life might be chaotic and just because you might not always love your body doesn't mean that you need to like surrender all of this control over to something that's this whole other entity. And I really just wanted to give her a big hug and like stop her in that moment and explain to her that, you know, like the rabbit hole that disordered eating can go down. And I felt, it just made me think of like how even the people without eating disorders, like so many people struggle with food and it just, mm-hmm. it honestly like broke my heart. But where I'm going with all of this is just like, if you're out there and you're struggling with food, like what I would just say to you, I guess, is like, you know, it's like, I think she probably woke up just like me this morning and had zero guilt. Like it passes, you know? And yeah. yeah. Um, I, like there are, with my college, there are so many girls, you know, That'll make comments like, oh my gosh, I haven't eaten all day. Um, or, oh my gosh, I can't eat that because I'm going out tonight. And it's like, no, like, you can eat that. Like, you need food to live. Um, and I think, a, like, like you said, there are so many girls and boys out there that have disordered eating and, like, really negative thoughts regarding food and it's sad, but I think a lot of it comes from social media. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I know, like, I ca- we touched on it a little bit earlier, but, like, a big part of mine was social media and just the whole comparison game that I got caught into. So I totally meant to t- actually touch upon that, and then I forgot caught, uh, like, caught in my thought. But... I think, like, even social media is one of the topics I've written down here because I think, while it can be, like, I think we're both trying to make social media a better place to, like, add positivity out there, I think there's so much comparison out there. And I know for me, like, a big part of my eating disorder was, like, spiraling into watching really restrictive what I eat in a day and comparing myself to these people who never ate, you know, food that wasn't highly nutritious and... It just made me think that that was all you had to eat and so many body checks, like whether they admit that their body checks or not. And just tons of, you know, I remember a summer when I developed my eating disorder. And so that was like swimsuit season. And I just know social media can be a really negative place for people because A, it's only a highlight reel. So you compare your lows to someone else's highlights and that's just not fair. And B, it just breeds comparison and comparison really is the thief of happiness and no matter whether you're trying to compare or not, it can be really hard. Like even now for me on social media, I have to 
sometimes like follow accounts who are really nice to me and say really nice things, but I have to unfollow them because I'm like, you're not promoting, you know, healthy mental health. And it's just not, there's a difference between sharing your struggles and, you know, putting not so great things out into the internet. And I think that kind of, as you said, social media can just be a very hard place if you're struggling. Yes. Um, I have very mixed emotions about social media, which I think is kind of ironic considering I have um, an eating disorder account. Um, But when I was deep, when I was really sick, you know, I was on ED TikTok, obviously, and I would watch what, like what I eat in a day videos were my thing. Like that's all I would watch. And now that I am in recovery, I, I can't stand watching them. There are very, there are a few accounts, probably like a handful that I can count on my hand that when they post what they eat, that I feel inspired by and that I actually can look at. Um, I hope that's one thing. I mean, I do post a lot of my meals on my Instagram story, but I would like to think because my meals follow a meal plan with, uh, I mean, sorry if this, I'm not trying to trigger, but it's a higher calorie range meal plan. I want to let people know that calories are not the inner enemy. Like if you literally calories mean energy. Like, that is the technical term. It is energy. So, I mean, a lot of times, I won't even say the word calories. I'll be like, oh, like, I had X amount of energy today. Or my mom will be like, oh, did you, like, how much energy did you give yourself before going on that walk? Like, it's so, so that kind of, like, reframes the brain into thinking, okay, like, food is energy. Food is fuel. Food is medicine. However you want to think about it. But one thing that I'm also experiencing right now is extreme hunger. So a lot of time, I know there are so many girls out there that are also going through that same thing. And I will post, (laughs) yeah, I will post on my story. Like, like how I have like, sometimes I have like five night snacks and I feel, sometimes I do feel guilty for it. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? I feel like I'm binging, but I know that I'm not because I know that if I don't allow myself to eat that food, then I'm just restricting again. And it makes me want to binge and it makes me want the food even more. So I'll post it and I, hopefully my me- my message is to let other people know out there that, you know, this is normal, especially when you are recovering from an eating disorder. You are restricted for so many days, so many months, so many years. Your body is literally in debt. It is playing catch up with you for all those days that you have not given it the adequate amount of fuel. So it's okay to eat a lot more. In fact, you should be eating like a lot of calories because you not only need them for your basic bodily functions, but you also need that energy to heal the damage that you've done on, on your, like internally. Um, so I just think that is a really big factor. That's one thing I did want to mention was talk about like the extreme hunger and how it is different than binging. Cause that is something that, um, I have struggled with a lot through my recovery. So so many thoughts. I love everything you just said. And one thing is I always see your account and I love that you promote like truly like generally like normal recovery eating. Like there's so many people out there who I feel like don't 
you know, who show like, you know, recovery is just eating like really small portions, but that's not true for most people. You're going to eat pretty large. And I'm not saying you eat large portions. Like I, yeah, no, you're good. Um, I know for me, I, when I was in res, like I, I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm five ten almost. And for whatever reason I have, I've always had a really fast metabolism. So when you added that with recovery, I mean, I was in a place of other people all recovering and my meal plan was like twice as big as some people's. And I used to feel awful about that. But really what I could say now is like, I was, and I still eat like that. You know, I, I randomly, cause I've started exercising, even though I'm seven months into recovery, I've started extreme hunger again, which is something that happens. Even if you don't start exercising, you kind of just get waves of extreme hunger and recovery. And, you know, sometimes I have like seven night snacks, like seven plates of food. And the difference is that it's definitely not a binge because it's a not coming from an emotional place of eating, which it's okay if you emotionally eat, but it's not coming as a place where I think it's going to solve my emotions. And B, it's like, even if my stomach's full, I can tell in my heart and my brain, if I'm thinking about food, you're hungry, like go eat. And exactly. Yeah. And sorry, you can continue. Oh, no, you can go. I was just going to say, like, you know, my treatment team, they sometimes, I don't know, they sometimes it's frustrating because I don't know if, like, they haven't gone through an eating disorder, maybe, maybe they have, but I would tell them and I would explain to them, like, my issues regarding food, um, and how I was just thinking about it 24-7, not out of a place of that I'm starving, but out of a place of I'm thinking about it because my body just wants more. Um, and I don't think they, ne- they really understood that. And so I took it upon myself. You know, I was reading article after article and I was listening to podcasts and like everything and like ebooks and like talking to my mom about it. And I was like, why am I thinking about food so much? Like, I should not be this hungry. Like, I physically feel full, like I'm going to burst open, but I want to continue eating. And my mom would just reassure me over and over, like, obviously, you're thinking about food for a reason. Your your mind, your body, it is still wanting it, so you need to honor that. And I think that's something that a lot of girls struggle with. And because if you don't honor it, a, it's only going to get worse, and B, it's never going to go away. I, so many, once again, so many thoughts. I, you have so many, like, wise words, but <laughs> I know that one thing I like to say is that the hunger is extreme, but the amount you're eating isn't, because exactly it's what you did to your body. Like, if you think about it from not like a, oh my gosh, but everyone diets. No, like, if you think about it, your body's way of living is food. And you decided Mm -hmm. to, like, only give your body a certain portion of what it needs to live. Like, obviously, that's a pretty extreme measure. And your body is going to need a lot in return. And I know, like, for everyone out there who struggles with going over their meal plan, I, the people who I was with could back me up on this. Like, I was really the queen of going over my meal plan. In the hospital, we would have, like, the set three meals, three snacks. And I remember every day we were allowed to ask, I asked, like, I was like, am I allowed to get more food? And they were like, yeah, as long as like we document what you're eating. And I would have like two extra ice creams and a bag of Cheerios and milk. And like, I mean, I would go through so much extra food because even though I was physically full and I felt like I was going to explode, A, 
it helped me get healthier. Like I only was in the hospital for 18 days and which they had it predicted a much longer time. And B, it didn't make, I didn't, I thought I was just going to like explode physically. Like I thought I was going to blow up and you're not going to, if you're thinking about food, your body needs food to even just simply like survive. And I, you know, nothing happened to me. It just helped me get better. And I happier. And in, even in res, finally, they put me on a protocol where I could just ask for food and like, cause the people wouldn't let me get extra food. And I couldn't even go through group without thinking about like, I'd, everyone would give me such a hard time about it. Cause I would be like five and we'd eat at six 30 and I'd be like crying because I was so hungry. And so eventually they just let me get more food, like whenever I wanted. And it turned into a really intuitive thing for me. And I would just Everyone else was eating three snacks and three meals a day. And I was probably eating like at least six snacks. Like I was just going and going and I'd go over my meal plan at all the timelines. And did it hurt me? No. Did it, was it hard mentally? Yeah, it was really hard mentally. But, you know, giving myself that permission showed me that A, I can trust my body and it showed my body that it can trust me. And I developed a much healthier relationship with my body, I feel like, because we both trust each other. And I really learned that like, these kinds of food and eating large quantities, especially when your body or your brain is telling you to eat large quantities of food. Like, yeah, sure. I gained weight because I had to gain weight. But even once I got to my set point, I was still eating this much. And, you know, once I was at a healthy weight, I was still eating this much. And then I stopped gaining weight. And like to see that, oh, like, it's not going to make me blow up. And like, it's, I'm not going to spontaneously combust from eating this much food. And, you know, had I gone over my set point, that would have been okay too. I just want to touch because that happens a lot. And had I been bigger than I was before my eating disorder, that would have been totally fine because you're not defined by your weight. I just wanted to add that in there. Um, that just wasn't my personal experience. But if you go through that and you go through that extreme hunger and you do gain a lot of weight, that's okay too. Like, that's weight you needed to gain. Exactly. Oh my gosh, we are so similar. This is freaky. <laughs> um, I have one of my biggest struggles through recovery, and it didn't happen until later on, was going over my meal plan. Um, like I mentioned, I have OCD. And part of one of my compulsions was measuring everything to the exact, and I, it has to be the exact calories for like my snacks, for my meals everything had to be exact. And going over that at first, oh my God, it was like a train of anxiety was hitting me and running me over 50 million times. And it was so hard mentally. I cried about it and I would talk to the other people, the other girls at PHP and I'd be like, you guys, like, please tell me I'm not the only one that's going over my meal plan. And they were like, oh, no, I don't go over. Like, I'm scared to go over. And I'm like, well, frick, I'm scared to go over too. Like, but I'm hungry. And I put down, I remember I told my therapist, I was like, I want, I, I told her a couple weeks ago, I said, I want to restrict, but I'm at a point in recovery now where I can't even get myself to do that. And looking back on like saying that, I think that, it sounds a little bit distorted, distorted, but it's kind of like a cool full circle thing. Cause it's like, 
you know, I, I, I couldn't get myself to do it anymore because I allowed myself to eat. I was giving my body that fuel. And I remember one time I put on my Instagram story, like, help me, like, please help with the extreme hunger. Like, does anyone have any suggestions? I got a, I got a couple DMs that were like, oh, I just like chew gum or drink water, immediately deleted them. I was like, I'm not looking at that. I'm not responding to that. That's that's hurting. <laughs> I was like, that's awful advice. And that is so triggering. And that is eating disorder behaviors. <laughs> um, but so a lot of the girls that were DMing me back were saying, think of your meal plan as a minimum. Like yes. that is a minimum amount of food that you need to eat for that day. And going over is perfectly okay. And once I started with that mindset, it was like, I could see clearly, like everything changed. I was like, oh my God, like, why didn't I think of this before? Like it was, that was one of my turning moments. I definitely think there's like big turning moments in recovery. I think that's like a, you know, you hit like a spot and I think there's just places that you really remember, like, okay, this is a big turning point for me, kind of how you had mentioned and on an absolutely completely different note, <laughs> um, I kind of wanted to ask you like how about, I feel like we haven't really touched about like body image much. And one thing that I've been wanting to talk about on here is like, I have been working on, I feel like I used to always aim for body positivity and it just wasn't working for me like at all. And so I learned about body neutrality and I honestly feel like aiming to just accept my body and be okay with my body rather than look at my body and be like, I love my body. Like coming from an eating disorder, that might be kind of unrealistic. And I know now I can just look at my body and be like, it's just a body. If it's healthy, it's a good body. God, I have so much to say on body image. Like that is the one thing that we hit on almost every single day in group therapy at PHP. Um, I agree with you. I think body positivity is stupid. Um, I think it body positivity is a bunch of fitness influencers who are disordered eating and they're like body positivity, love your body. But if you, everyone who says that like body positivity are people with with like society's ideal body. You know what I mean? Whereas body neutrality, it is this whole idea of not caring necessarily what you look like or what your body looks like, but just everything that it does for you. And like, I love my legs because they allow me to walk. They allow me to jump. I love my arms because they allow me to embrace the ones that I love. Like when you start thinking of your body in that way, it is such a beautiful thing. And you become so much more grateful for what you are given. And it just kind of puts everything into perspective of like, wow, like I hate on my body so much, yet it is the most miraculous thing about me. And it does so much for me. Like not only does it keep me alive, but just the things that it does for me on an everyday basis is just amazing. And I think the biggest thing that people mistake is everyone is on this like, oh, I have like self-love, self-love. Well, screw self-love because that is like, that's a whole lifelong process, first of all. Like, I don't think anyone is fully in love with themselves, but I'm, you don't, you don't have to love yourself a hundred percent. But one thing that you do need to do is you need to respect yourself. And that is properly fueling your body, 
and that is nourishing it and that is moving in ways that make you feel good and not not harming your body. So you don't have to necessarily have self 100% self-love, but you do need to have 100% self-respect. I love that so much. Honestly, one of my favorite parts of this podcast is like getting to have these conversations with people. And I feel so fortunate to like, it's even better than listening to it for an example, because I get to ask questions and I get to just have these amazing conversations with people such as yourself. And honestly, so many of the things you've said today, I totally resonate with, or they just really validated my feelings, or there were new ideas and new perspectives and everything you just said, I agree with that. And with all that said, we are kind of ending nearing the end of the episode. And normally I give guests like a little, like if you just want anything you didn't get to say that you really wanted to say, like now would be the time to say it. Um, I could go first if you want a minute to think, or you could go if you're ready. Um, yeah, I have one quote that one of my therapists told me in PHP, she said, if you have the strength to stay in your eating disorder, then you have the strength to pull yourself out. And when I heard that, I was just like, whoa. <laughs> so anyone out here listening, just know that it takes a lot of strength to stay um, with an eating disorder. So if you if you have that, then just know that you also have the strength to pull yourself out of it too. I love that. And I think that's kind of also along the lines of like, I always like the quote that recovery is hard. Being in an eating disorder for the rest of your life is harder. Mm-hmm. And with all that said, I just want to give one big thank you to our guest, Skylar. I am so honored that you were on here and I loved this conversation so much. And thank also- you for having me. Yes, of course. And I also just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone else who was listening. And I hope you guys like had a good takeaway from this episode and I'll see you in the next episode.